Hey everyone, this is Isaac Maddox, and I'm the pastor of Activate Church, and this is our podcast. Remember, you can subscribe to our podcast and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. I hope this message blesses you, encourages you, builds your faith, and I hope you enjoy the message. ago, uh, some of you might remember, I did the tithes and offerings, and I shared a story with you guys. If you weren't here, I'll recap it real quick. But I shared a story about a, it was more of a confession Sunday, and I shared with you my life long, that I feel like I'm out of it now, but it was an addiction that held me, that gripped me tight for a couple years. It was my addiction to infomercials. Um, and it's, it was, uh, pretty bad. I mean, usually it's like late at night and you're just like watching it, you know, Miracle Blade. Uh, and I, I bought it. That was my story from last time was that I actually purchased something over the phone and made the call laughing at myself the whole time, but still made the call nonetheless because I wanted the ultimate chopper and the free set of Miracle Blade three perfection series endorsed by Chef Tony. Um, never, I think I used the Ultimate Chopper once uh, to turn the granulated sugar into powdered sugar as advertised, 7,200 RPMs. It worked. The product, they did not lie. Uh, but I was really excited about the Miracle Blade knife set. My, I think my mom still uses it to this day, and it's amazing. I want it back. <laughs> uh, I didn't ever use it. Um, I know, the Miracle Blade, or the, uh, the knife, she used it right away. I did cut myself as I took it out of the packaging the first time I got it. I pulled it out of the box, and it was in this, like, cardboard sheath. You know, the knives come in, and I was so excited. I don't know why. I was like, I don't know why I was so excited. I don't, I don't cook at all. And I, I get it, and I, I slide it out of the sheath, and it's so sharp that it cuts <laughs> through the cardboard in each one of my fingers. And then I, I did that, and all of a sudden it was just blood. And it was, I was impressed. It healed in like a day because it was such a clean cut. I know, right? So anyway, I tell you this story because it, I'm going somewhere. I tell you this story because why did I want this Miracle Blade? Why was I addicted to these infomercials about cooking and knives and things like that? And if you look a little further back in my life, before I had a credit card and could make that phone call to order that Ultimate Chopper, uh, you would know that I used to have a dream. I used to have a dream to be a chef, and I used to want to cook, and I used to want to watch all these cooking shows, and I would, uh, you can ask my parents who are here, I would volunteer to make cheese sandwiches for the family because I wanted to show off my culinary expertise. Uh, these were not grilled cheese sandwiches. <laughs> these were cold, uncooked cheese sandwiches consisting of bread, probably cheddar cheese, uh, mayonnaise, mustard, and then smushed together. And if I felt zesty, I would put a little pepper on it to really dress it up and get wild. 
And uh, they didn't ever, I don't, did, why? I don't know why I did that. And you guys, I, I don't, they weren't good. I don't know. Is that a thing? Does anybody else eat cheese sandwiches? No meat? One person. <laughs> Two people. Well, you got a lot of kids, so it's understandable. <laughs> so I would, uh, I would make these sandwiches, and they, you know, my parents didn't dash my dreams. They didn't say, Jared, these really aren't good. This is not cooking. You are cutting cheese. Uh, my th- slices were probably massive. You know, nobody likes a big cheese slice. Uh, and then I was also, when I was younger, I would, I would stay at home. I was homeschooled for a couple years, spend great mom and son time. And uh, I would watch daytime television, big time Matlock fan. Anybody else in the room? Right? Uh, and during this two-hour slot, my mom would like Perry Mason, so I would watch it too. And then even though I didn't like it because it was black and white, but I would watch Matlock, and so during those two hours of Perry Mason and Matlock, you would probably see like 10 commercials for Western Culinary Institute, the pinnacle of cooking training in the world. <laughs> uh, so obviously my dream was go to Western Culinary and become a chef and cook for my family and all these things. So that might make sense of why my uh, purchase on the infomercial made sense to me. Um, let it be known now, I am not a cook. Uh, Tasha does the cooking. We're learning together. She's amazing. Makes me these awesome dishes. A little shout out. She doesn't make me cheese sandwiches. I make those still. <laughs> Nobody makes them better than me. Let's be real. Uh, but we all have these dreams growing up, right? We have these dreams to uh, become something great. Um, we, Whether you are a, you know, want to be an actor, you want to be a doctor, you want to be a cowboy, you want to be an astronaut, you want to be a policeman, a fireman, you have this dream inside of you. Mike probably wanted to be an NBA star. The height challenge didn't work out, but maybe, maybe there's still a chance, right? I'll speak into that dream. Um, We have these dreams, and it's easy. It's easy to have a dream when you're young because you don't know anything yet. You don't know how cruel the world is. You don't know how hard it's going to be. You don't know what really it takes to become one of these NBA stars. You don't know you need to be 6'5 and have all the odds stacked against you. Me too. I used to dream of being Steve Kerr on my basketball court at home. I would On my lowered hoop, I would run out and fade away three in every time. As soon as you go to another f- basketball court, you can't make a thing. You're just like, okay, not going to happen. Uh... So these dreams, we have them. Uh, mine was to be a chef, mine to be a cook, to do all these things, to be a world-renowned iron chef. Uh, didn't happen. So, and I'm not talking about literal nighttime dreams, fall asleep, have a good dream, have a nightmare, or anything like that. I'm talking about the things where God puts something inside of you. God puts this desire deep inside of you. Uh, that thing that pulls you forward, that motivates you, that compels you to be something, that thing that changes you and changes the people around you to be a better person, not just uh, I fell asleep and had to dream about, I don't know, something random. Uh, That's not what I'm talking about today. Uh, Before we get started, I also want to just say I, I don't intend to fully give the doctrine or theology of dreams prophecy type things today. 
uh, I really just wanted to share a little bit. What time is it? 11? So we have a little bit of time. And I wanted to open my life to you guys. Um, it's an awesome opportunity to get to speak to you guys. Um, and so I wanted to not just, you know, just share something random, but I wanted to share something that in my life has made probably one of the biggest impacts um, to me. And uh, some of you were a part of it. Some of you, you know, will hear it for the first time today. Uh, but it's something that me meant a lot to me, and, and it changed me, and it made me want to share it with you guys because I have a feeling a lot of people are in the same boat, or if you're not, you're maybe not even thinking about it. Uh, but today, so I want to pray, but before I do, I'll read a verse. Bible's good. Good to have. Not just story time. So I'm going to read a verse. I didn't make a slide, so no pressure back there, boys. So Ephesians three seventeen through 21, and this is in the Living Bible. And it says, I pray that Christ, it's hot, right? Is it hot? Okay. These lights are just like, <laughs> probably just like shimmering right now. And I pray that Christ will be more and more at home in your hearts, living within you as you trust in him. May your roots go down deep into the soil of God's marvelous love. And may you be able to feel and understand, as all God's children should, how long, how wide, how deep, and how high his love really is. And to experience this love for yourselves, though it is so great that you will never see the end of it or fully know or understand it. And so at last, you will be filled up with God himself. And this is verse 20. This is where we're going to spend most of our time today. It says, Now glory be to God, who by his mighty power at work within us is able to do far more than we would ever dare to ask or even dream of. Far more than we would ever dare to ask or even dream of. Infinitely beyond our highest prayers, our desires, thoughts, or hopes. May he, be, may, he, <laughs> may he be given glory forever and ever through endless ages because of his master plan of salvation for the church through Jesus Christ. That's Ephesians 3, uh, 17 through 21. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for today, God. I pray that, uh, God, you would just help me communicate, God, your word, and you would help me, God, uh, speak, Lord God, clearly, God, that you would open up eyes, God, you would open up ears and hearts, God, to receive today. And I pray that, that you would take over the service, God, that you've already done amazing things, God, in worship. God, you've changed lives already, God, and we, God, we are just excited and expectant for what's ahead, God, and I pray that you would uh, bless the service, God, that you would bless everybody that made it out today, God, that we, even later today as we do our I Am Jesus event, God, that you would uh, allow, God, our church to come together, God, and, and bless a community, God, and truly represent who you are, God, and represent what you called us to do, God, and, and join in on your mission, God, to, uh, to love the world, God, and to change it. God, we pray today, bless Isaac and Carrie as they're not here, God, and they're on vacation. God, give them rest. God, give them peace, God, and, and give them just a, a peace, God, knowing that the church, God, is, is going to make it, even though they're not here. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. So I want to tell a story today uh, beyond my cooking story. Um, this is uh, a little small recap of my life. I grew up godly family, uh, born. September 7th, 1984. My parents are here. Mom and dad, love you. They made it. Uh, my sisters, I have three, none of which are here today. Thank you for the representation. Two of them are, both of them are in kids with their husbands. 
don't know what happened to scheduling there. I think they both missed like the last two weeks for camping or something. So uh, they'll just have to check the podcast. You know what I'm saying? So I grew up in church. Uh, we went to a great church in Portland, City Bible Church. Um, it's still there. It's going amazing. Um, we grew up at the private school. We went to City Christian Elementary School or Temple Christian at the time. Uh, we both we all went up there. Uh, my little sister just graduated, just started her fresh first year of college this year. Crazy. Um, but we all grew up. We went to the youth group. We went to summer camps. Uh, we attended conferences. Uh, eventually, a couple of us went to the Bible college. Um, we all got involved with some sort of youth ministry, helping out, doing things like that. Um, and myself, after I graduated high school, um, I met, that's where I met Isaac and Carrie, was in the youth group there. Um, we, after this, after we uh, graduated, I decided, like I said, to go to Bible college. Um, and I wanted to pursue, actually, I did not want to go to Bible college, to be fair. I said, I'm never going to go to PBC, as does probably most of the people that show up there. I said, I'm never going to go. I'm never going to go to Bible college. I'm going to go to real college. Uh, that didn't, that's not what I meant. Take that out later. I'll take it out later. <laughs> I really, I, that Freudian slip, wow, that was bad. It's real, okay? My wife graduated from there, five years. Every year was with it. So I go to this Bible college. Uh, I'm there for a couple years, off and on. I had to work, things like that. And uh, there was this thing at this church uh, called Prophetic Assembly. Some of you maybe have heard of this. Some of you have no idea what it is. Basically, what it is, is there's this time where they, they do it every year. And they have these prophets that are around the world that are known to be... Uh, they have a gift in prophecy. They are direct communicators from God. Uh, the mouthpiece, the trumpet, you know, from God. But they, they bring them in. They bring, uh, I don't know, 20 or so, and they come together, and you sign up for it. You say, hey, I'm at a season in my life where I need some direction. I need some confirmation for what God's spoken to me. I need to hear from God. And uh, you basically go through an approval process. They want you to be at a certain stage of your life. Um, probably not in like a dating relationship necessarily, but more of like a just married or you're single, things like that, or your family. Uh, just because they don't want you to base your life decisions off of what you hear. Um, and going back to what I said in the beginning about my disclaimer about not giving you the doctrine of prophecy, um, you need to know about myself is I'm not, I don't consider myself a, uh, I don't even want to say the word because it's, but I, I, I'm not hyper spiritual in the sense that, that, you know, if I get a prophetic word, it's just like, well, that's it. That's what I have to do. It's what I have to go for. It's the only thing that matters. It's my clear line from God. Uh, when I get a prophetic word, I, I, I say, that's great. I love it. I, I either agree with it or I don't, uh, but I'm going to put it on a shelf and it's just going to sit there. And I'm going to keep it in my mind, but it, it doesn't dictate necessarily my life. Um, God will make a way if he's going to make a way. Thank you. <laughs> Number one fan. Uh, so, so I'm sitting there, and I sign up for this. And they, they say, okay, Jared, you got approved. They take you through like a class because they want you to understand these things before you go into it. Um, and I was probably, I don't know, 20-something, maybe 21, 22. 
and I sign up for the class, I take it, um, I get through, I'm good to go, uh, and then at the time, yeah, I just needed a little bit, I think, of some God speak. So I, I signed up for it, I'm getting ready to go into my, my session, and there's uh, three or four prophets that basically would be, so let's say we were in this room right here, I would be in a chair right here. There'd be like three prophets or four prophets right there. And you would all be here, and you would all just be watching. Uh, and uh, so, I, so I go into mine, and before I go in, of course, the fear begins to just, like, come up that you are going to be exposed as this terrible person, <laughs> which I probably was. Uh, we all were, right? And they, they bring you in the room, and you're just, like, sweating like I am now. Has anybody else done this? Probably. Yeah, quite a few of you. So you know what I'm talking about. You're just dumping sweat. And you are just nervous that something's going to get said. And that they're just going to be like, I know what you did last summer. <laughs> An instant just... <laughs> I was terrified. I was terrified. Uh, I'm confessing for sins that old sins that are under the blood. <laughs> and I'm reconfessing again and again. And God, did I even do that? I don't know, but I'm going to ask for forgiveness anyway. Lord, I'm sorry. Forgive me. And it's hilarious now, but when you're in that moment, it's terrifying. So I go in and I, I take my seat. And uh, I, there's three or four people, and you, you should know that uh, typically you don't know who the uh, prophets are. They don't know you necessarily. Of my four, I think one of them knew me, but not very well. That way they can't just be like, and I know you, you know, give you some like, you're like, you know that already about me. It's not, that's not from God. But they, uh, they sit me down and they start praying for me and they have this, uh, they all kind of go through their thing and, you know, I'm in a heavy posture of prayer, uh, eyes closed, looking down. And they said amazing things. They said things that built me up, encouraged me, um, that, that only could come from God. It's, uh, it's one of those things where, you know, it's one of those moments you walk away from and you're like, well, no one's ever going to convince me God's not real. Uh, the things they say, nobody could know. It's essentially like, we're going to turn to page four in Jared's diary and uh, read you your most innermost thoughts and deep things that, no one, you don't want anybody to know. Uh, page five, you know, and they begin reading, and they just uh, read your mail. That's the phrase. So I get done, and uh, they all go, and I'm just like, whew, yeah. You know, God's good, and I'm looking down, and I, fe I feel like we're done. Nothing was said weird. And then all of a sudden it was, I hear this. Uh, and they record it. So I've listened to it like a million times afterwards. And I hear all of a sudden it was, and I just do one of these, just <laughs> the look up of sheer horror as uh, one of the men that was there, he said, what's your dream? And he said it again, because I, I thought, I didn't think he was talking to me because I thought we were done. So you can hear if you listen in the recording, he said, what's your dream? And he, he repeats it. And he says, uh, Whatever you say, you'll have. Whatever's left unsaid, you'll never have. And then all of a sudden in the recording, you just hear this like, 
<laughs> as they put the mic in front of my face, in front of the whole room, and I'm just, and it, it was a, a frozen moment. I was listening to the recording the other day again, and I, I had to make sure that it was still playing. I had to switch back to my iTunes to make sure it was still playing. The silence was so long that I, I was like, did it stop? No, that was just, that was me. And I froze, and I, I, I was stuck, and I, I couldn't say it. Uh, and he says, he said, say it boldly. Here, I don't know if this worked. I was thinking I would try it. <laughs> Did that come across? Okay. It was one of those moments. And it was, a. Uh, it was, a. Uh, it's something that, gets me still because it he he just it's like right when I thought I was safe he just he reaches in and he just was like hold on (laughs) one more thing and it it just when I thought I was clear and in the safe and in the in the in the in the in the clear he and I mean God not not Henry the man but he he found the thing that I didn't want him to touch on but I I knew he needed to but I didn't want him to and he says, uh, <laughs> what's your dream? Now, my story that I would love to say is that I jumped up on my chair, and I said, I have a dream. <laughs> but I didn't, I didn't do that. Instead, I, I just, I laughed. I said, because ah. I knew, I knew what God was doing. And I said, I don't know. And those words will haunt me forever, but in a good way, because uh, I knew my dream. I knew it, and I didn't want to say it, and then he says, uh, I said, I don't know, and he said, okay, that's what the Lord wanted me to deal with, and it was just instant, <laughs> crying. My, my face was sweating. My eyes were sweating. Uh, <laughs> it wasn't tears. Instant, just, it was just like this, like, boom, drop and he's just like, it's over. And I knew it. And that, that's what we call an oh crap moment. <laughs> when you're just like, oh no. You know, uh, I equate it to the dropping of the iPhone. And you slow-mo and you're like, oh no, oh crap. And you catch it with your foot. Or you're clicking up on the roller coaster and you're like, why did I do this? Click, 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 click. That's that oh crap moment or you're in a car and you... I don't know, maybe I'm the only one that got, gets in accidents, but you see it happening, and you're like, oh, crap. Boom. Can't do anything about it. That's an oh, crap moment. Patented. That was my moment. I knew something was about to happen, but I didn't know what it was. But I knew something was about to happen. And uh, he said, that's what the Lord wants me to deal with today. And it was Ridiculous. So he goes on and he says some things that um, changed me, you know. And he goes on and he says, I think you know it. I think you know your dream. But it's too big. It's too scary. You don't want to say it because it's undoable by you. Um, And he nailed it. I knew my dream. It shouldn't have been a surprise to anyone at the time. Like I said, I was in Bible college. My dream... And even today, I, it's hard to just say your dream. 
It's hard to just be like, my dream. It's pearls before swine, no offense. I'm kidding. <laughs> it's, this thing is mine. It's my, it's my private thing. It's my diary. I'm not going to just open it up in front of the world. And I don't, I don't know some of you. I don't know you very well. You don't know me very well. Why would I just boldly just say it as if it means anything to you, as if you're going to help me achieve my dream? It's, it's not easy to just say it in front of people. Uh, my dream for years was to be a pastor, to, to love people, to give my best hours of my day, not my leftover hours of my day. I didn't want to just be in a position where I get to help out every now and then. I wanted it to be my, my job. I wanted it to be my, 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 my thing that I give everything to. I wanted to love people. I wanted to help people. I wanted to counsel people. So I was at Bible college. So no one would have been shocked had I said it. So why couldn't I say it? Um, and I think a lot of us can be in this boat. A lot of us can be in the boat where we don't want to share our dreams. We, we don't want to even necessarily think about it. Because maybe it's too big and it's too great. Maybe it's something that, you know, maybe for me it was like, uh, and I didn't tell anybody my dream. I don't even think I told my parents. I don't think I told my best friends. And if I did, it was only a portion of it, even though they probably knew. But I didn't tell them. It wasn't something that I just openly gave information of. So what's your dream? He says, I don't know. We look at the, uh, the life of Joseph, and, uh, you know, probably the most known dreamer in the Bible. Um, we look at his life in Genesis, what, 37? 37? Genesis 37? Check. Anybody? Yes. Joseph gets a dream, and he's the youngest of, like, 12 brothers. He's got his parents, Jacob. He gets a dream. Uh, first one... Dream number one is uh, he's, he gets a dream that uh, all of his brothers' bundles of grain or whatever wheat they were bow down to his. He wakes up in the morning, he's prancing along, skipping this annoying little brat probably. I don't know. And he comes up to his brothers. He's like, guess what, guys? Guess what? I had the craziest dream last night. You guys are going to bow down to me. crazy, right? Uh, and they're just like, okay, whatever. We're not going to bow down to you, little punk. You know, get out of here. Next time, has another dream. Uh, this time, the sun, the moon, and 11 stars bow down to him. And he wakes up, and he's like, Dad, guess what? You and Mom and all my brothers, you're going to bow down to me. And he even says he boasted in his dream. We probably all know a Joseph that little punk that just blabs his dreams to everybody. I know when I was in Bible college, everybody wanted to be a pastor. Everybody wanted to be a worship leader. Everybody wanted to be a missionary, and they wanted to tell you about it. So I look back at my time, and I'm like, I didn't like those people. <laughs> and that was part of the reason I didn't even want to say it, was because I didn't want I wanted someone to recognize it in me because of what I did, not because of I just told about it all the time, not because I talked about it all the time. It is good, but at the same time, it's not good. Because I needed to be able to say my dream. 
I needed to say, this is my dream. This thing. This is what I want my life to count for. Because if I never say it, I'm never going to have faith for it. Because if I don't put it out there in front of you, it's just going to be something that happens. You're never going to know about it. It doesn't bring a testimony to God. It doesn't bring a testimony to what God did in my life. So, yes, I was annoyed at those people, but I think I was wrong. Because if we go back to Joseph's life, we can look at his story. He ends up telling his brothers his dreams. He gets sold into captivity. He becomes Potiphar's slave. He rises to uh, head Potiphar's slave. Then he gets falsely accused. And then he gets sent to prison. Uh, then he interprets the dream of the baker and the wine, uh, the wine taster. And then he gets forgotten about in prison for another two years. And then he comes out of prison finally when Pharaoh needs his dreams interpreted. And then he becomes the second in command in Egypt. And then later we know the story. What happens is brothers come for grain. Later, long story short, they end up bowing before him. His dreams come true. But his dream versus his reality. His reality was betrayal, uh, captivity, sold, uh, slavery, uh, being forgotten, imprisonment, all these bad things. And then on this side, we have his dream. So at what point in his life, his dream versus his reality, did he decide to keep a hold of the dream? And I can relate to this story. I want to be able to look at the story and say, I've had a dream too, and I've had hard things happen to me too, and God's bringing my dream into fruition and all these things. But when I really look at the story, it hit me last night as I was reading it again, is that I really actually relate more to the brothers. I relate to the brothers when I, like I said, when I was at PBC, and I said, ah, these people with their dreams. And I didn't, I didn't encourage them. I didn't speak life into their dreams. I didn't believe with them. I, I, I got annoyed with them. I wanted them to shut up about it. I feel like I've changed since then. But what if Joseph hadn't spoken his dream? What if he hadn't ever gone up to his brothers? What if he hadn't ever, what if he had just given up on it? You know, his reality, like I said, was all these horrible things. But what if in the midst of it, he just said, you know what? Forget it. God, I, up and down, I can't handle the roller coaster anymore. I can't handle the, the captivity, and then I rise up to the, be the top, and then I get sent back to the bottom, and then I'm forgotten. What if he just said, I can't do it? Man, don't give up on your dream. Do not give up on that dream that God placed in you, that he put, only can come from him. We're all in different stages today. Maybe you've had a dream, and you saw it come to pass, and you're like, pretty good. I'm good. You know? Um, dream again. It's time to redream. Get another dream for yourself. Get another dream for your life. Maybe you have never had a dream, and you don't know how to get a dream. The thing that the, the prophet told me, he said, take a time. He says, well, he said, go to the mountain of the Lord. You can interpret that however you want it. And he said, let God show you the dream that he has for you. And that's always stuck out to me because it, he doesn't just say, let God give you a dream. He said, 
Let him show you the dream that he already has for you. And he said he's already put it in your heart. You just have to find it. So take your time if you've never had the dream. Another stage you might be in is you lost your dream. You gave up on it. It didn't work out. But man, look at the life of Joseph. Have you been in prison yet? Have you been sold into slavery yet? I feel like we could hold on a little bit longer. Don't discredit yourself because of your circumstances. The weird little analogy that came to my mind when I was thinking about Joseph and his dream is there's like a tree. And the city comes in, they plant a sidewalk right over the roots. And you're like, well, that tree's going to probably die. No way those roots are doing anything. And then all of a sudden, over a couple of years, you see this root breaking through the concrete. And you're like, wow, that's amazing. You didn't see it happening, but all of a sudden it's just there. And it's persistent. And it's stronger than the concrete. It's stronger than its circumstances. It's a weird analogy. Whatever. You don't have to go with it. <laughs> the last one I was thinking of is... Uh, um, oh, no, I got all those. We're good. We're good. So I look back at my answer of uh, I don't know. And I'm like, man, do I regret saying that? Do I regret being a coward and you know not going for it not saying it boldly and not just bearing all to the world in the room and it was like 20 people it wasn't even that many probably my whole family 30 of you and Caleb <laughs> I think that was the room I think that was it it was like my dream <laughs> you know do I regret it I, I don't I don't regret my answer because it wasn't about me saying that particular dream. You might look and say, well, Jared, you're kind of living out your dream, man. You should be happy. And I am. I love my dream. I love what I do. But my dream is constantly changing. It's constantly changing. Uh, so I don't regret it. Because it, at the time, it wasn't about that I needed to know my dream. I needed to know that it came from the giver of dreams. It came from the guy that said, I put this in you. It's my dream. And I'm sharing it with you. And I want you to be a part of my dream. It's not, it wasn't, I didn't come up with it. I didn't come up with the idea that I wanted to do that. Mike didn't know he wanted to be a basketball star. God put it in him. I love you. So we get our dream. Let's say, hypothetically, we all go and do the right thing and we, we come before the dream and we get it what do we do with it God wants us to be able to take that dream and show it proudly to the world say hey like I said this is my dream this is what I want my life to count for and at the end of my days it won't just be one dream that I accomplished but it'll be dream after dream story after story of God's faithfulness in my life. You know, this, this church is a place where we can share dreams. Even our youth group, it's called Dream House. 
If you don't have your kids in it, your youth, youth like junior high, high school, you should put them in there. Bring them on Wednesday night. They need it. I needed it. It's a place where you can come and dream. And can we as a church partner together and agree that we're going to speak life into someone's dream? We're not going to be Joseph's brothers. They can just say, oh my gosh, Leah wants to be like an international, I guess you kind of are. Leah wants to be like an international worshiper. You are. Take that dream. I believe I'll in it. it. But we don't get annoyed by it. I, so many times I hear people like, and I just want to be this worship leader, and I want to do all these things, and I'm like, you're an idiot. You haven't, you haven't earned it. Get in line. Not about worship leading. I don't want to do that. But, man, that's their dream. How can I build you up so you can accomplish your dream? How can I build you up and pray for you to encourage you to go for it. If it can't be in this room and in this setting and in this kind of culture, then it's not going to happen in the world. The world's going to say, no, you're not good enough. You're not pretty enough. You're not handsome enough. You're not skinny enough. (laughs) Too fat. You're losing your hair. (laughs) It's not funny. This church... When's the last time we, like, thanked Isaac and Carrie? Like, really, like, send them a text today. Say, thank you for going after your dream. Thank you for listening, being obedient, and taking a step out, and actually being bold about your dream. And now look at it. We're like a room full of people, and it was two and a half years old, and began as a dream. Began as a conversation. And that was from God. God put that there in them. Send them a text today. I dare you. Say, hey, thank you. I love this church. We've been talking lately about the mission, and I'm wrapping up. Don't worry. We've been talking about the mission. And if I could add anything to that, and if I could share any of my story, and thank you for listening, but if I could add anything to it today, to the mission, the series we've been on, it's to dream and to dream boldly and to dream bigger. If your dream is for you to have a job, be steady. It's not a dream. That's something you can obtain by yourself. It's something that you can do by yourself. It needs to scare you. At the time, I couldn't say my dream because I, I knew people would look at me and say, well, Jared, what about all those things in your life? You can't do it. You messed up. You did this. You did that. It needed to scare me, and it did, and I couldn't say it. But today, I can say my dream, okay? Let it be known. I can say my dream today. And it's because of, I needed to know about the dream giver. So dream boldly. The bigger the dream, the more credit to God. We need to dream for ourselves. We need a dream because we need something to have faith for. We can't just have faith for, you know, God, tomorrow's going to be a good day. It's like, yeah. Get your eyes above that. What are you shooting for? Are you shooting for something that you cannot hit? Then yes, do it. That's what you need to be your dream. We need to dream for ourselves. We need to dream for our families. Husbands, you need to dream for your wives. Wives, you need to dream for your husbands. 
Parents, you need to dream for your kids. We need to dream for our church. We need to dream for the city, the world. It needs us to dream because it, it's lost hope. It's lost faith. It's lost something to believe in. It no longer has a, a, the, knows the Savior of, of, and the one that gives us our dreams. It can't hold on to anything else. Last thing uh, the guy had said to me on my prophetic word. And he said, he goes, it was ending, and you can barely hear him because they start talking and they do these other things. But I'll always remember it, and I listen to it over and over again because I, I need it. I need the, I need the encouragement. I need, I need to know that God has me. And he says to me, he says, you've got what it takes. You hear? You've got what it takes. And he says it twice. Man, we've got what it takes. And you've got everything. You've got everything that you need. So go after your dreams today. Thank you.